48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. Invitations are being sent out for district councillors to swear allegiance to the basic law and the SAR. And the chief executive says anyone who refuses to pledge their loyalty will lose their seat. The chief executive says that from Wednesday, Hong Kong residents can return to the SAR from the mainland and Macau without having to undergo quarantine. And the head of a government advisory body on COVID vaccines suggests allowing children as young as six to take Sinovac jabs. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says the government is sending out invitations today for district councillors to swear allegiance to the basic law and the SAR. And anyone who refuses to pledge their loyalty will lose their seats. She said a total of 211 councillors who are still serving will be asked to swear allegiance in four batches. Mrs Lam said the first ceremony will be held for Hong Kong Island councillors on Friday at the North Point Community Hall. Mrs Lamb said she had appointed Home Affairs Secretary Casper Choi to witness the oath-taking, but he would not declare the validity of the oath immediately. After the ceremony, we will not immediately announce whether the oath is valid or not. But for councillors whose oaths are valid, they will be notified afterwards that they will continue to be the SAR's district councillors. For some, if we have doubts and do not fully believe their pledge of loyalty, they will be given a chance to explain themselves. The witness will then make a judgment, and if necessary, the witness can seek further legal advice to support his final decision. The Liberal Party's Jeremy Young is one of the three central and western district councillors left, and he's glad the oath-taking is finally taking place. He was asked if officials should recover all past wages paid to councillors who end up being unseated after scores of councillors resigned upon hearing such reports. I think the swearing-in has nothing to do directly with whether any clawback of salary will be implemented this oath-taking is simply a ceremony for the district councillors to demonstrate to the public that we are here to serve everyone. And should they not pass this oath-taking, there should be consequences. Now, if you're not qualified to be a district councillor, of course you should not take money from the public purse. We have no doubt about our own fellow Liberal Party members that we will all get through this without any hiccups. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says any organisation that doesn't follow the law and heed the National Security Police's lawful request to hand over information cannot claim itself to be a member of civic society. She was commenting before members of the Hong Kong Alliance in support of patriotic democratic movements of China officially informed the force this afternoon that it won't give them its financial and operational details. Detectives suspect the Alliance is what it called a foreign agent. Speaking to reporters before the weekly Executive Council meeting, the CE said it's a completely wrong concept for some to suggest the Alliance doesn't need to obey the law because it's part of civic society. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says people can soon come to Hong Kong from the mainland and Macau without having to undergo quarantine, whether they're SAR residents or not. Speaking at a weekly press briefing, she said now the pandemic situation on the mainland is stable, the return to HK scheme will be resumed starting on Wednesday to let SAR residents come back quarantine-free. She said from September the 15th, a maximum of 2,000 non-Hong Kong residents can also come from the mainland every day quarantine-free as well. She spoke through an interpreter. 
The quota will be provided through the Ascension Bay Port and the Hong Kong Suhama Cow Beach Port. 1,000 pieces each. Altogether, 2,000 non Hong Kong residents can come to Hong Kong through Come to Hong Kong scheme. At the same time, they'll be subject to regular virus testing and holding a valid nuclear test act result. The head of a government advisory body on COVID vaccines has proposed allowing children as young as six to take Sinovac jabs. Lao Yulong says this will be among the ideas for discussion at a meeting of the scientific committee he chairs next week. Currently, the mainland vaccine is available to Hong Kong people aged 18 and above, but Chile this week approved the use of Sinovac on those six years old and above. Dr Lau says there's a bottleneck regarding the local inoculation drive for young people and he thinks the use of Sinovac jabs would help resolve that. Turning overseas, the Taliban say they're consolidating their control over the Panjshir Valley in the last Afghan province where they were still facing resistance. A Taliban leader called on residents not to flee into the mountains but to stay in their homes where he said they would not be harmed. This man from Panjshir told the BBC his family had fled because they were terrified. The Taliban talk about victory and raising their flag, but they don't talk about what they have done to Panjshir and its people. They're literally rounding up people. Women have decided to take refuge in remote villages, and if the Taliban come, they'll fight. My aunt tells me I'll keep the last bullet for myself and the last bullet for my daughters because I don't want them to become sex slaves for the Taliban. The U.S. says it's got four of its citizens out of Afghanistan in the first overland evacuation since the American airlift ended. From Washington, here's the BBC's Gary O'Donoghue. We know there are four individuals that travelled overland. That was facilitated by the State Department. They say the, the Taliban was aware of that and didn't impede their progress. Although we do know that they were met by the American embassy officials in, in whichever country they arrived in, so they won't be Iran because they don't have an embassy in Iran. There is a, a Republican a member of Congress here who's saying that he was part of a facilitation exercise to get a family out of a mother and three children. And the State Department haven't confirmed that that's the same four people they're talking about. U.S. officials say just over 100 Americans remain in Afghanistan. <coughs> South Korean media say the country's military has carried out a successful test firing of a domestically produced submarine-launched ballistic missile, or SLBM, making it only the eighth country in the world to possess such a weapon. Sources from the country's Agency for Defence Development say the missile, which will be equipped with conventional warheads and has a range of 500 kilometres, will now be mass-produced. A European environmental campaign group, Bankwatch, says coal-fired power stations in the Western Balkans cause more pollution than similar facilities in all of the other European Union countries put together. Here's the BBC's Guy Delaunay. Residents of cities in the region have become grimly accustomed to choking through the winter months as air quality plummets. The grassroots Bankwatch network says that coal-fired power stations bear a large part of the blame. There are just 18 such facilities in the six countries of the Western Balkans, but collectively they emit two and a half times more sulphur dioxide than the total produced by more than 200 similar plants in European Union countries. Bankwatch says there's a simple solution. Power stations in the Western Balkans should comply with EU emissions regulations or close. 
The Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro, has signed a decree aimed at restricting the powers of social media companies. He said the new legislation would protect freedom of speech. Here's the BBC's Leonardo Rocha. Mr. Bolsonaro's press office said that the decree would tackle what he described as arbitrary removal of accounts, profiles and content. Since the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, Twitter and Facebook have deleted many posts shared by Mr. Bolsonaro and his supporters, deemed as false and misleading. His move against the media companies comes as thousands of pro-Bolsonaro supporters gather in the major cities for mass demonstrations scheduled for Tuesday, coinciding with the country's Independence Day. They will be demonstrating against Congress and the Supreme Court, which last month added the president's name to a list of people being investigated for the mass production of fake news. British conservationists say dragonflies have been the indirect beneficiaries of climate change, with warmer temperatures allowing many species to expand their territories. The BBC's Helen Briggs has more details. According to this study, dragonflies and their close relatives, the damselflies, are expanding their range as temperatures rise. In all, more than 40% of species have increased their range since 1970, while about 10% have declined. The British Dragonfly Society says climate change is helping dragonflies spread to areas that were historically too cool for heat-loving flying insects. And they're concerned that some upland and northern dragonflies are in retreat due to threats such as habitat loss and pollution. The American actor Michael K. Williams, best known for his role in the long-running television police series The Wire, has been found dead at his home in Brooklyn. He was 54. Williams won praise for his role as the criminal Omar Little in The Wire, as well as for Chalky White in Boardwalk Empire. The BBC's David Willis in Los Angeles says one of Mr Williams's first acting roles was in the film Bullet, which put him on the path to stardom. He went on to make guest appearances in Boston Legal and Sopranos and other shows before landing that role that was to define him, of course, as Omar Little in The Wire. It was perhaps the most memorable role in a series that's been called one of the best in television history. So good that then-Senator Barack Obama called The Wire his favourite TV show and Omar Little the favourite character in it. So his death at 54, much mourned in Hollywood. New York police say they're treating his death as a possible drug overdose. To finance news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,346. That's 182 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $77 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.78 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 76 cents. To sports, and we start at the US Open tennis, where Novak Djokovic was again made to fight hard as he beat American wildcard Jensen Brooksby to reach the quarterfinals and keep his calendar Grand Slam hopes alive. The world number one overcame a poor first set to win a bruising encounter 1-6-6-3-6-2-6-2. Earlier, British teenager Emma Raducanu booked her place in the quarterfinals, joining Olympic champions Belinda Bencic and Alex Zverev. The BBC's Russell Fuller reports. 
Emma Raducanu beat Shelby Rogers of the United States for the loss of just three games on her debut on the Arthur Ashe Stadium. Rogers was nothing like the player who'd been so impressive in coming from 5-2 down in the deciding set to knock out the world number one Ash Barty in the previous round, seemingly fairly empty after the experience of Saturday night. But Raducanu is a very, very cool head, and having reached the fourth round of Wimbledon on a Grand Slam debut, she's now gone a round further in only her second Grand Slam. In the quarterfinals, she'll play the Olympic champion Belinda Bencic. She came through in two sets against Iga Swiatek, the first a tie-break, which she won by 14 points to 12. And two more men's quarterfinalists are another Olympic champion, Alex Zverev, who beat Yannick Sinner of Italy in straight sets, and Lloyd Harris of South Africa, the world number 46, who's beaten the American Riley Apelka. India's cricketers have taken the fourth test against England with a crushing 157-run victory at the Oval. Jasprit Bumrah was the star for India, as the BBC's Eleanor Oldroyd reports. A test match which seesawed throughout was in the balance all the way through to lunch on the final day when England were 131 for two and still in the game. But a burst of brilliant pace bowling from Jasprit Bumrah after lunch turned the tide India's way. England losing four wickets for six runs, two to Bumrah and two to the spin of Ravi Jadeja, including England's top scorer Hasib Hamid. He made 63. When Joe Root was bowled by Takor for 36, England's hopes of saving the game also disappeared. India completed victory to ecstatic scenes at the Oval and now go to Old Trafford for the final test on Friday with a 2-1 lead. It'll be the first time in 20 years that England have failed to win a series at home. India captain Virat Kohli says his side should not be underestimated. That was unbelievable. I mean, it was... Look, we won, we won at Lords as well. We love being written off and I think a lot of people after Leeds really stood up and said, well, will India be able to come back? And we've shown time and again that we are a top side. We've been at the top for a while now. And that's because of the belief and passion we have in the group. And this win, if not more, is as special as Lord's. Football's world governing body FIFA says it regrets the scenes leading to the suspension of Brazil and Argentina's World Cup qualifier, which stopped millions of fans from enjoying the game. Sunday's match was abandoned five minutes after kickoff when Brazilian health officials objected to the participation of three Argentine players and accused them of breaking quarantine rules. FIFA says it's analysing the match reports, but no date has been set for the fixture to be played. The BBC's Tim Vickery says it will be tough to reschedule the game. The ideal thing would to be fine to, to, to replay the game, but we can't find any... How do you do that? The, the, the calendar is already so crowded. That's going to be very, very difficult indeed. Uh, it's a FIFA competition. It's not a South America competition. So I think Comnibal have merrily passed this parcel to FIFA because they can hear the parcel ticking. And in golf, Team Europe have retained the Solheim Cup after reaching the required 14 points to beat Team USA in Toledo, Ohio. Time just for now for the weather forecast. It'll be mainly fine and very hot, apart from isolated showers this afternoon. Winds will be moderate easterlies. The outlook, mainly fine and very hot in the next few days. More showers and windier later on Friday and over the weekend. Currently 31 degrees, humidity 74%, and the very hot weather warning is in force. News and weather, RTHK. Thanks, Todd. Good afternoon, this is James Ross. Back in the 123 show seats in Finarine for another afternoon. A couple of hours of great music lined up for you. I'm going to do food and drink. 
you're a football fan, you'll recall that that uh, takes us back to the 1990 World Cup. It was the England World Cup soccer squad together uh, with New Order. And notably uh, features England winger John Barnes rapping there. Well, it is the 123 show. Uh, James Ross here. And we'll be talking food and drink in about 20 minutes from now uh, with Andrew Dambina. And we'll be finding out how you can become a famous food writer and food travel TV presenter. Yes, uh, by studying art history. Curious. I want to know more.